Uh, welcome, everyone. We are Biopatrika, your own online science communication forum, bringing science closer to you in so many ways. In our SciConnect by Biopatrika series, we talk to some of the current and future leaders from the world of science to gain some insights into their career journeys. Today, we have the pleasure of talking to Dr. Chetan Pan, a dynamic individual who truly defines what it means to be a scientist in the 21st century. I'm Srinath Krishnamurti, and along with me, Ramya Chituri will be host today as we take you through this fascinating journey that is the life of Dr. Jitendra Pan. Dr. Jitend is a biomedical engineer and he obtained his doctoral degree from University of Georgia. He was also a director and co-founder of Innovator, a biomedical startup. He has a research experience of 15 years. He worked as a scientist at Biocon and a postdoctoral fellow at University of Michigan and also a principal investigator with N number of patents. Currently, he's an application scientist at Karen Products in the cell and gene therapy space, a field with immense potential to impact the lives of billions. Jitain is also a science communicator, having given TEDx talks along with other presenters. Jitain has elegantly traversed both the academic and industrial world, making various as sorry impacts in almost domains of modern scientific career. It's a pleasure meeting you, Jitain, and having you with us. Thank you, Ramya. Thank you, Sri. To keeping things off, uh, let me start. Can you tell us about your background, educational background, and how you made into the biomedical field? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so it was in 2004. I had just passed my 10th grade, and I happened to be the topper of my school. And I was confused between choosing biology and mathematics, like most of us, uh, because that kinds of determines, uh, you know, where your life will go from there. And in that confusion, I have always almost made my mind to pick up mathematics over biology until my biology teacher, uh, she gifted me a biology book. Uh, and that was then and there I decided that I would, I would want to make a career in biology. Uh, she he showed a lot of faith and the trust in my abilities. And I thought, let me pursue both. Uh, but I would be primarily focus, focusing on biology. Uh, and that's when uh, I chose this route. Uh, after making failed attempts uh, to become a doctor, I started uh, BTEC in biotechnology uh, at Iqbal University, Dehradun. Uh, got to meet wonderful mentors and teachers uh, who prepared me well. And it so happened that so I joined the program in 2006, graduated in 2010. And in 2010, uh, I became fortunate to uh, get my first job at Biocon, where I worked for three more years. Uh, and in those three years, I became part of four monoclonal antibodies project. Uh, two of them got FDA approved. Uh, and uh, after Biocon, I did my master's from uh, British Pilani Hyderabad campus. And at BITS, uh, I came to know about uh, this professor called Dr. Hitesh Handa, who was setting up his new lab at University of Georgia. And he was looking for um, students who can help him set up cell culture and microbiology space uh, to set up a tissue engineering lab. Uh, so I had not, never done tissue engineering, but I had done cell culture. And I thought uh, there is something that I can contribute. So I happened to become uh, his uh, first two PhD students. Uh, and it was under his leadership that I learned how to uh, not only do research, but also mentor uh, how to uh, nurture talents. And in doing so, uh, 
I published several papers, uh, filed certain patents. Uh, I wrote a lot of grants with him. And ultimately in 2018, when I was graduating, he asked me if I would like to be a co-founder with him, the company that he was founding. And that's how we uh, started a biomedical company together that received funding from NIH and CDC. And yeah, uh, I owe a lot to the mentors that I uh, met from time to time, starting with uh, uh, Ms. Madhu Sharma, who was my high school biology teacher. Great. Thinking back, even I was there at a point where should I choose the science or mathematics? Yes. I wish everybody <laughs> will go through it there from any of the state board exams. Yeah. And do you have any like tips which helped you in like going through this journey? If possible, can you share with our listeners? Yeah, uh, I think regardless of whatever you choose to do in your life, regardless of the career path that you choose, uh, if you're passionate about what you are doing, and even more important, if you're passionate about uh, making sense out of your life, uh, and by that I mean uh, being not be only being helpful to yourself, but also to the society that you live in, uh, you cannot go wrong. Uh, it does not matter what career path you choose, and especially in today's society, where uh, you know the world has become so uh, closely knitted. Uh, there is scope for anything and everything. Uh, so just believe in what you're doing. Uh, love what you do and do what you love and things will fall in place for you. Fantastic. Wonderful. Being a PhD student, I want to know personally, like, can you share a recipe kind of for early PhD students? Recipe? Uh, <laughs> Uh, like I told, I, I stumbled upon biomedical engineering because, uh, so here's, here's something. If I'll tell you that I chose biomedical engineering because I always wanted to become a biomedical engineer, it would be a lie. Uh, the truth is that between 2011 and 2015, I applied to uh, more than 200 universities via email and physical application. I was not accepted anywhere. I was so desperate that I would have taken any offer. Uh, I am I'm fortunate that I stumbled upon biomedical engineering, but I know that at that time, somebody from forest science would have approached me, I would have taken that path. <laughs> I just uh, so desperately wanted to do PhD that anything was good for me and I did not know any better. There was nobody to mentor me, nobody to guide me, uh, but I feel very fortunate that uh, I did my PhD from where I did it and the mentors that I made in the process. Uh, if I have to give you a recipe, I think the recipe is, uh, make the best out of every situation. Uh, life outside you is a poker game. Uh, there are situations outside your control, but life inside you is a chess where you know you have fixed set of uh, instruments and faculties given to you. If you make your choice wisely, uh, you would do good in life. And the faculties and choices that you have within uh, uh, basically your body, your mind and your hormones. Um, the way I lead my life is I put them in the order of my mind, body, and then hormones. Uh, but unfortunately, most of the world is uh, directed by their moods, uh, which is dictated by the hormones. I guess if we can put them in right order, where we decide what happens to us and we do not become a slave of our circumstances, Regardless, again, regardless of whether you do a PhD or not do a PhD and the field you are in, you, you will do good because you are taking charge of your control and you are playing chess the way it should be. I can what totally relate to it. Thank you. So I wanted to uh, go into a little bit about what it is 
that a biomedical engineer does. I think some of our listeners would like to know, you know, this is a fascinating field to be. How do you think the work that, how does the work that you do impact our day-to-day lives? So could you give us a little bit of insights into what a biomedical engineer does? Yeah, so it's a very broad and subjective uh, field. And from my own experience, if uh, I can answer it in simple words, it's an amalgamation of different fields. It, in, it includes fundamental biology, but it also intersects with uh, chemistry as well as material engineering and engineering design consideration. Um, so you have to be a good in a lot of things in order, in order to do good in biomedical engineering. But ultimately, uh, when all these uh, fields uh, meet together, the goal is to translate science into products. Uh, these could be biomedical devices or these could be cell and gene therapies. Uh, so the way it impacts your day-to-day life is healthcare uh, is heavily dependent on biomedical devices. Uh, but we have to be also smart and careful enough and uh, have vision uh, to be able to come up with devices that can that in the process of helping humans are not hurting. Like for example, try to develop products that have minimum side effects and every product comes with side effects. But if you are careful in choosing the kind of recipe that you put in making a biomedical devices or cell and gene therapy, we can cut down a lot of side effects. And uh, that's what we should be careful about as a biomedical scientist. And uh, that's how we can benefit uh, other fellow human beings uh, the best way possible. So, so like an example of a biomedical device, just as I'm just, um, you know, going on a little bit of a tangent here, would a smartwatch, you know, those watches, fitness tracker watches, would that be counted as a biomedical device? Or are we talking about, you know, ventilator systems that are in the, in the hospitals? So, or, or everything between that could, as long as it interacts with a, with a, with a human being is a biomedical device. So could you, could you give a little bit more insights on that? Yeah, again, it's very broad in nature and you rightly pointed it out that both invasive as well as non-invasive technologies uh, that uh, can improve human health um, uh, covers the span of biomedical engineering and biomedical devices. The kind of biomedical devices that I worked on, they were all uh, blood contacting biomedical devices such as mm-hmm. vascular catheters. We also worked on urinary catheters, vascular graft, extracorporeal circuits, uh, and wound dressings. Um, so th- this was my focus area. Uh, but to answer your question, yes, it should cover everything that interacts with human body and can either help in diagnosis or the treatment um, of a diseased um, situation, condition. Fascinating. And again, on a small tangent, again, you mentioned that um, you know you have to do mathematics, engineering, biology, and this is this is the story of modern science, isn't it? Um, you are no more just a, a, bio, a molecular biologist. It's always about the problem. It's always about this, what solutions you can bring to the table rather than who you are. Yes. Um, so I wanted, to, I wanted to quickly, uh, I wanted to go into a different tack as well. Um, you've worn numerous hats um, in your scientific career. You can broadly split them into an academic world, industry, or in, even in the entrepreneurial space. What are the similarities between these three worlds? As in, how did you transition from one to the other so seamless? You personally, what are the skills you could take from one to the other? Yeah, uh, uh, it's a very good observation. I think I have been fortunate. Uh, over the last 10 years, I uh, jumped between fields. 
related but uh, still different fields and uh, got to do things on both science as well as on the business side of the things. Uh, as far as similarities are concerned, I would say passion, uh, grit, innovation, creativity uh, is at the center of doing research, whether it is in academia or it is an industry, or if you have your own business, you need to have uh, passion and grit to be able to do it successfully. Uh, but talking about differences, uh, one thing all the academic scientists would agree to is at academic level, we learn uh, how to do things. And sometimes the more complex these methodologies are and the more complex these problems are, the better rewards you get in terms of publishing in high impact factor papers or getting patents. Uh, whereas in industry, um, the goal is to take this understanding, simplify it and be able to come up with a product, uh, be able to commercialize it and keeping the sense of urgency in mind and keeping the finances in mind. So academia is driven by how and uh, business is driven by uh, how fast you can bring these technologies and how you can simplify these ideas and technologies and bring them to the market as fast as possible. Very nicely put. Now, I just wanted to also follow on. Um, so do you think individuals should have different mindsets? Like you decide from the beginning itself, I want to go into the academic space, the industry space or start a company. Do you need to have a set mindset from the beginning or can you learn along the way? So to a young listener right now, how would you suggest that they pace themselves? How would they set their mind into which sort of path they want to take? Yeah, my answer is uh, yes and no. Uh, yes, because if we look at the mindset, keeping grit and passion at the core of it, yes, um, it requires similar kind of mindset. But I would also say that it would be naive to assume that all scientists can be good business men or women or all businesses can do good science. Uh, uh, so yeah, uh, based on how you see and where you are at in your um, career stages, uh, keep the passion and grit, uh, but also uh, be open to learn, to learn skill sets that uh, a successful business needs to, uh, and a successful scientist needs to. And if, if you are, you know, getting uh, obstacle by resources or the times, I think it's best to collaborate with people who have complementary skill sets so that uh, these, two, these two things, uh, business and science can be merged together because that's where the most amazing thing happens where science and business meets each other. And COVID-19 vaccination is a very good example of that. Yeah, that was a fantastic, uh, the scientific community came together, the, the business, pharmaceutical industry came together. It was, a, it was crazy that everything happened at a year. Yeah. Um, and most people predicted five years, right? So it, it, yes. it was a beautiful sort of a chemistry between all these different worlds. Very true. Uh, I will also, again, I'm gonna ask a really difficult question now. Okay. So is, is, there a, is there in a career in science, do you have to follow a set path or is there a great role for serendipity, chance, and what does it mean to have, you know, how do you have a successful career in science? What are the benchmarks you have to fulfill? Basically, I'm asking you, how do you become a successful scientist? Ridiculously difficult question, but 
I think you would have you would be able to give us valuable insights into th this sort of uh, issue. Yeah, it's a great question, and uh, this is how I personally see life. Uh, like I told you, life outside you is a poker game, uh, but life inside you is a chess game. Uh, you know, life outside you is driven by good luck, bad luck, or things outside your control. But uh, basically, if you look at yourself, you are just your body, mind, and hormones. And if you put them in the right priority of mind first, body second, and then hormones third, uh, there, are, there is nothing that can stop you. Uh, no outside obstacle can stop you. So the pathway to become becoming a great scientist or a great anyone is uh, inside out. Uh, so as far as we focus on fixing ourselves, uh, there's nothing that should affect us from the outside and things will continue to come across our way. There will be struggles, there will be hardship, which is not in our control, but we should definitely take care of things that are in our control. Uh, and that is our body, mind and hormones. Beautifully said. As you transition from academics to industry, industry to being an entrepreneur, did you feel any setbacks in this transition? Like, if so, how did you like get up from that and made it to the point where now you are successful? Uh, yeah, and I'll tell, um, so I can be successful today and then become a failure tomorrow. And this, this will keep happening. I think the best lesson that I've learned from my life is uh, nothing has a meaning except for the meaning that you give it. Um, and we should always focus on the things that are in our control and not, not, to, not to get caught up about by the things that are not in our control. In the last um, uh, three years, I have lost four family members, uh, including my father. Uh, and there have, there have been a lot of uh, shift in my career. Um, there were things that I did not want, uh, both professionally and personally, but they happened. Uh, but I think at any stage of your life, you have to understand that, uh, you know, if you want to keep going on, uh, you cannot let the situation outside you get hold of you. Uh, you should keep pushing. You should, because when you do well in your life, uh, it is not just you and your family that gets benefited. It's society that can learn from your failures. And I, the way I see any failure, and I, I feel fortunate that I can see it uh, on the spot at the moment when I'm getting failed that one day I will take this as an example to motivate someone who will be going through a similar situation. And that's how I have always seen my failures. And I believe, um, again, you can make any meaning out of your failures or success. And uh, this is what I decided to do because I understand that life is a choice and happiness is a decision. Sorry for the loss, but as you rightly pointed it out, life has to move on whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And do you have any favorite mentors or significant persons in your life that inspired you to take up this journey? Uh, yeah, quite a lot of them. Mm, but if I have to point out a few of them, it's, it started with my father. Uh, my father was a forest guard. And despite not having much education and finances in hand, um, he was uh, 
he would constantly read books he would constantly learn and uh, there were researchers so my father did not continue his education beyond 10th grade but there were researchers from all over the india doing their phd who would come to our houses who would come to our house to learn from him about uh, plant science and ayurvedic medicines and that was uh, awe inspiring i saw him not only teaching them but also generously offered them a place to stay overnight and from him i learned that uh, you should never stop learning uh, and you should help fellow human beings and help them elevate their life and money is only a barrier uh, if you let it be so that this is what i learned from my father uh, uh, but beyond that uh, my sisters uh, uh, who were 7 and 8 years elder to me uh, they were following a career path they were in the process of getting into phd program and that motivated me to become a scientist Uh, my school teacher miss madhu sharma was one such example who uh, pers- who pushed me towards pursuing biology uh, and growing up uh, i think it was my phd mentor uh, i feel extremely fortunate because i hear horrible stories of how you know people are traumatized during their phd and postdoc and i feel fortunate that i was with a mentor who was supportive who uh, who let me be who i was uh, who gave wings to my dreams and my ambitions and aspirations who let me be creative without judgment and i'm i i feel fortunate that uh, i had all these mentors uh, but besides mentors i had support system from many people who are not my direct mentors but helped me uh, from time to time and gave me both personal and professional advice and one such support system for me uh, is a friend uh, whom i know since 2007 uh, and we we got married last year uh, her name is manali demri she also is a scientist uh, working with covens and i believe uh, these mentors and support systems uh, are the reason that uh, i am where i am and i could achieve whatever i could achieve Absolutely. beautifully said and congratulations on your marriage as well exactly <laughs> thank congratulations you. thank you thank and you also i personally follow your youtube channel for past one and of year and i have listened to your tedx talks i mean how it started like why you started being a science communicator and how do you think about saying uh, your own story to the like to the world will make an impact or like why why did you start it uh i think it started off with a debate competition that i participated accidentally when i was a kid and Uh, it was a learning experience for me uh, i was not doing very well but ultimately uh, uh, when the results were out I, i i became the winner of the competition and i think that was my first exposure into public speaking uh, but growing up my mom would constantly tell me uh, so i was an introvert initially i would not speak up but uh, in the process of overcoming it i tend to over speak i would speak more than i should and my mom would constantly tell me uh, to not speak too much and i realized that it's a strength and can also be a weakness and i decided that i should convert this weakness into a strength uh, so in doing so i came across toastmasters uh, i heard a speech uh, and i thought uh, i i want to do this on stage one day i want to be a speaker um especially coming from a background where english is not your native language uh, you don't have uh, educated parents and you grew up with hesitation speaking in english i think um, 
that combined with uh, the right platform, which happened to be Toastmasters for me, uh, I learned about storytelling and public speaking. And that led to a lot of opportunities, including the three minute thesis competition, as well as uh, TED Talk, uh, that I uh, became fortunate to be a part of. There is a long story, maybe you'll keep it for some other day, but uh, I, it's a journey of failure and success there as well. Uh, like every good thing that happens in your life, you know, success does not happen overnight and you constantly push towards something. But one advice that I can give people who want to be good public speaker uh, is um, understand that um, any storytelling or any public speaking is by the people. It's about the people or the things and animals that people associate with, and it is for the people. Uh, so at the core of your uh, public speaking or speeches um, should be people. And uh, if you want to become a good speaker and a good writer, you should be a good listener and a good uh, a good reader. And that's how you can uh, touch people. Uh, you, can, you can connect with them emotionally and that's how you can influence their life uh, by being open to be influenced by them first. That's a really nice insight also because ultimately you're, you're not speaking to a wall, right? If what you're saying is not understood by the person, then who's at fault here? It's obviously the speaker. So you have to keep constantly making sure that what you say is as clear, as succinct as possible. Yeah, it's, it, you hit it right on, nail right on the head there. Absolutely, and yeah, thank you. Nowadays, uh, science communication is like a essential soft skill. Apart from scientific knowledge, it comes hand in hand wherever we go. Mm -hmm. And which of the soft skills do you think are like required and how can we cultivate and nurture them in the beginning of your of our scientific career? Uh, again, uh, this is spot on. Uh, you uh, said it very rightly that soft skills are at the center of a lot of jobs that we do. And I cannot emphasize this enough. And I encourage all the young uh, researchers um, and students who are looking for a job uh, to become, to improve their communication skills, be it oral communication or written communication skills. And again, to become a good oral speaker, you have to be a good listener. To become a good, uh, to, to become good in writing, you should, uh, you should be good in reading. And unfortunately, reading is not taught in any school. Unfortunately, listening is not taught in any school. And I wish uh, we reach a stage where, you know, from a very early stage, uh, we learn about listening and reading in schools. And that's the way forward. But uh, within our own limited resources, until schools and colleges come in pace with uh, uh, the things that I'm suggesting here, I think this is our own responsibility. Uh, if we understand and value, communication, uh, we should listen a lot and we should read a lot. And that's the way uh, moving forward. Thank you. Definitely, I'm going to take this into consideration. Yep. And uh, I mean, listening, Some the, the interesting thing about also listening is, I mean, when I was, I'm also quite, uh, what do you call it? You can accuse me of this quite a bit where it goes in the air, but I do not understand what someone is actually trying to tell me. And until you get to the crux of what the message is, you're not really listening. So yeah, very well put there. Um, I think I have one final question and this is a little bit on see how you are an oracle of the future. So in your opinion, 
what bit of technology or product could revolutionize your field that is the biomedical space in the next 10 years? Where do you see it going? Uh, I think as far as healthcare is concerned, uh, uh, two problems uh, come to my mind uh, and solving these two problems, uh, with my limited knowledge, I'm saying that solving these two problems uh, should be the way forward. One thing is antibiotic resistance. Uh, it is. Uh, it has been uh, reported that antibiotic resistance will kill 10 million people every year by 2050, leading to a global loss of $70 trillion, $100 trillion, which is higher than the current GDP of the world. And this is anticipated to happen in 2050, by 2050, if we do not take serious measures against it. So one thing is definitely... Uh, you know, cutting down the use of antibiotics and coming up with alternatives uh, to overcome antibiotic resistance. Uh, I've been fortunate to work on nitric oxide technology uh, where we were developing alternatives for uh, antibiotic resistance, uh, developing antimicrobial technology and biomedical devices. Uh, uh, another thing that I think is autoimmune disorders and cancer. Uh, cell and gene therapy, I believe is the way forward. Earlier it was monoclonal antibodies and cell and gene therapy is next. Uh, we already got 22 FDA approved cell and gene therapies and there are more coming. Uh, the future looks very bright. And in my current role as an application scientist uh, at Caron Products and Big Meat, I feel fortunate uh, that we support uh, cell and gene therapy uh, by uh, developing biomedical, by developing by equipments that uh, allow researchers to have uh, sophisticated uh, cell and cell culture and gene therapy techniques done um, in more efficient manner. Uh, and yeah, I'm very excited. Uh, and I believe that cells, cell and gene therapy is the way forward uh, and will give answers to a lot of problems that we are facing um, in healthcare as far as cancer and autoimmune disorders are concerned. And, and you're right in the middle of that space. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what, what, more, what, what you will produce in the next 10 years. Absolutely, you would be happy to know actually, and I'm, I, I'm, I think I'm right in assuming that both of you are from India. Yeah. Uh, please correct. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'll be. I'm also taking charge of the India business for Caron Products, and we are, we'll be launching um, a series of products in cell and gene therapy space in India, and I'm very excited that uh, I I got fortunate to serve as a global liaison and bring the technologies that we are developing in US and UK uh, to India, my home country. And uh, I'm very, very excited about it. Don't tell me, this is a new hat, isn't it? That you're going to go into. <laughs> yeah, it is, a, it, is, it is a new hat with a lot of challenges and uh, uh, it, it, it motivates me like every other challenge. And I'm, I'm very excited. And the way I'm looking at it is, uh, I'll be able to serve my home country uh, with the technologies mm -hmm. and patents that we have here. And I cannot wait to see what future has for us. Fantastic. Ah, you're an inspiration. The way that you're able to seamlessly transition, I'm learning a lot just by talking to you. <laughs> thank, you. thank you. Thank you so much for your kind words. But I, I believe that we are all in different stages of our life. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. And, you know, and there are things um, that help us achieve different things. And uh, it's a combination of your hard work and the opportunities that you come across. Uh, and yeah, I, I believe that there are a lot of young and brilliant minds out there. I'm just born before them and it does not make me any better. 
but I, I believe that uh, as far as my own personal uh, motivation is concerned, I, I am geared up to help as many fellow scientists and young students as I can. And I try to do it through my YouTube channel and LinkedIn and Facebook and, and, and SciConnect uh, happened to be one such platform, which I believe uh, would help uh, scientists connect from different spheres of life. And this is, this is a platform that many, um, I, I would say millions of researchers and young students would benefit from. So thank you so much uh, for making me a part of this. Oh, thank you so much for being a part of it. Thank you for the kind words for PsychConnect and Biopatrika as well. You're thank so you. humble and, and we are glad to interact with you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. So to our listeners, Dr. Jitain Pant has worn multiple hats and excelled in diverse range of fields as you heard from him till now. We are also looking forward to seeing him in a, to scale new heights and eagerly follow his life and work. Perfect. We will we have uh, uh, Jitain's LinkedIn profile and URL with this podcast for our listeners. And we will yeah. also be glad for all our listeners to share your feedback at biopatrika.in at gmail.com. Wonderful. And another thing that they can do is, uh, as you mentioned, I also make YouTube videos for young students and uh, professionals. If they have any question that is relevant to a particular video, they can leave a comment. I try to answer within 48 hours and I'll do my best to uh, answer any queries that they have uh, with all the details possible. Now we take your leave and hope you'll tune in again for our next interview. Yeah, thank you, Ramya. Thank you, Shri. It was wonderful thank talking you. to you and I'm grateful. Mm-hmm.